Hey, this is Steve Boughton, and you are tuned into My Turning Point, where this week, really fun conversation with Glass Animals frontman Dave Bailey on the success of Heat Waves, uh, having a hit song in the middle of a pandemic, and why that's so weird, his love for his dog, which I identified with immensely, and much more. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dave as much as I did. It was a lot of fun. Yo, hey, how you doing? Excellent. All right. Can you see and hear me? I can see and hear you. Can you hear me okay? I'm going yes, through this. Yes, absolutely. Because the computer's part of this yeah, studio. is confusing. <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. I just shut my fan down as well. So you are hearing that in the background. Because, you know, here in LA now, it's already fan weather. So where are you now? God, yeah, I forgot. It's just, it's hotting up over there. I'm in London. It's not fan weather. It is. <laughs> uh, I actually genuinely had the heating on this morning. It snowed yesterday. It snowed. Yeah, one of my very, very dear friends who actually used to work in music now lives in London. And we were talking about that because, uh, you know, and I hate to be that asshole, but, you know, she was telling me that they had one day of nice weather, then it went back. And I'm like, no, nope, now it's perpetual shorts weather here in LA. Once yeah. it hits that in LA, you know. This about the weekend just gone because there was, yeah, it was nice. It was nice, but it wasn't nice. It was like nice relative to what we've had, but it was still like, 12 degrees which is what like i don't know 58 or something it's, it's not that good <laughs> yeah it's so funny too because you know now i just realize it's you know it's such a weird obvious time and, and nicole and i were just talking about how this is going to change for artists and going forward and we'll come to that in a second but it's so interesting because you know this would normally be coachella time for example here in southern california and looking at that and thinking of like wow, you know, like it's just, you know, because of course in my memories, so the people who put on Coachella are friends of mine. I've been to 17 out of the 20. So looking in your social media memories, there's like, you know, all these photos, all these things. And it's like, nope, that shit's not happening this year. You know, it's, uh, although I know that you guys are doing Life is Beautiful, who are also very good friends of mine. And uh, that is a great lineup this year. So it's, Is that your dog or mine? It's not That's my dog. Mine. It's to be my dog. My dog's nope. bark. What kind of dog do you have? There's a trash. Uh, the trash truck is going down the street, so he's protecting the house from the trash truck. Oh, it's very nice of him. What a sweetheart. That's he is. Sweet. He's a rescue. So he's like, this is my home now. You know, I've got to like work even harder. Protect my, protect my ends. Uh-huh. Yeah. What my, kind of dog do you have though? He's a, he's a mixture of things. He's very small. He's about this, this big. He's <laughs> 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 just been, um, he, my neighbor have they they've got a daughter who's 10 years old who is obsessed with him and she was going hiking today and she took the dog so he's exhausted he's absolutely out of it he's passed out oh yeah it's so funny when you say hiking i'm like wait that's bizarre and i'm like wait it's already six o'clock there so no you guys are done with your day <laughs> we're just starting well, I'm a, yeah i'm going on it's about to be dinner time then i should have a glass of glass of beer or something with me right now <laughs> well, you can during the interview. That's fine. But uh, so back to uh, Life is Beautiful. Have you ever done that festival before? Yes, it was the hottest day of my life. It really? was so hot. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> it's the <laughs> only time I've ever worn shorts on stage because I just couldn't. And <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that again, but it was just too hot. It was so hot and so humid as well. Had to. That's interesting. Okay, because usually it's in September there. It's not as bad. It's not so terrible. What year did you do it? Do you remember? 
I don't remember. I don't remember. 2017 or something maybe. But I had a, an ice bucket next to this next to the stage, and uh, just as soon as we walked off, all four of us just stuck our heads in this bucket of ice. <laughs> and, like you could, see, it was like steaming off us. It was crazy. It's was way too hot for any festival. Ah, well, it's so funny because I don't associate the heat with life as beautiful. I do associate it with Coachella, which kills me. But, you know, what's nice now is that this year, at least you're going to be at, presumably you will be at night. You're coming in as one of the, uh, you know, it's funny, the guys who put it on are friends of mine. We did an exclusive for Forbes talking about it and you were one of the top nine. So, you know, you'll have the night stage this time, which will be a much uh, cooler spot, you know, both figuratively and literally. Oh my God. Yeah. That was the main problem is the sun was right on the state. It was right. I think it was like two in the afternoon and the sun was coming right down. And I remember we had, we had that festival. And then not too long after we had that one Austin city limits. And that was equally sensationally hot with the sun coming down the stage. And my shoes were stick. The rubber of my shoes was like starting to melt onto the stage. It was, it was incredible. But amazing show. I love Austin City Limits too. It's, it's so funny as well. Now, how of all of this tie into a song called Heat Waves? <laughs> Were these festivals the inspiration for, you know, the hit song or, or you know? <laughs> it's about something completely and utterly opposite to <laughs> the f- <laughs> festival life. <laughs> but I, I do like that, that segue, or at least, you know, trying to force that segue. But it's funny. I mean, as you start to think about the idea of coming back into festivals and doing live shows and all this, does it become after so long, almost a little surreal to think about, you know, being back on stage. So, so much so. Yeah. Especially considering like, like we've, we've never played heat waves live. Really. We've played, we tested it out at a tiny little show in March, like over a year ago, basically. And that's it. I think we've played it once. Uh, so it's, it's so strange thinking that it's so strange. And then you normally, normally you, you release your album, you release your song and you're, you get a little bit of positive feedback when you're playing live. People sing it back to you. People look like they're enjoying themselves, hopefully. And we just haven't, we've missed, we've missed that so much. Yeah. It's interesting. As you put it that way, it's funny. You're missing those, those sort of baby steps that lead up to you put out an album you tour like right away. And so people get to know the album and then they start to sing it and you see the progression. And now like life is beautiful. They sold out 50,000 tickets in 39 minutes because people are so insane for the idea of live music. So you're going to go straight from that. Like, okay, we put out an album. We've lived in a bubble, had a hit song. And now it's going to go instead of from, you know, a thousand people kind of knowing some of the words to 50,000 people losing their fucking mind at it. You know, (laughs) I maybe I think I might just get on stage and weep with joy. I think it's going to be going to be quite full on. And I also have this theory, yeah, that everyone's been locked in for so long. We're all going to get to the first. <laughs> everyone's going to go hard on the first day of the festival, and just not remember how to. None of us can hold our drink anymore, as we say in England. None of us can. None of us remember how to pace ourselves. So we're just going <laughs> to obliterate ourselves on the first night of the festival, and the rest is just. No one's going to turn up. Everyone's going to realize how nice lockdown was. (laughs) It's funny. I've actually talked about that with a lot of artists. And in all seriousness, Nicole and I were just talking about that. And I, you know, I mean, during the course of lockdown, because artists were home, they were bored, they couldn't tour, you know, they needed new ways to promote stuff. 
I literally have done hundreds of interviews with everyone from Stevie Nicks and Ozzy Osbourne to Tim McGraw and David Guetta. And it's like every single person I've talked to has noticed a seismic shift in how they do stuff because, you know, for example, you know, they've either like Tim McGraw or Lucas Nelson were talking about having more time with family at home or Guetta was saying, you know, like I've had a summer vacation with my kids for the first time in 12 years. I think, you know, a lot of artists are re-examining how they do things. For you, is that the case? Do you, you know, like, do you feel differently coming out of this or is it just like a, you know, or then you have the lifers like Ozzy Osbourne who was, he's, and I quote, I'm losing my fucking mind. Sharon and I are driving each other's tits off and I can't wait to get on the road, you know? Oh, really? I, it's interesting. I mean, they're all in a very different position. To, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we have not had a, a holiday I would say we've had, it's been such a roller coaster. It's been released an album in a pandemic, which was, um, I'm not, I'm not rushing to do it again. If, if I'm honest, it was full on. It was a lot of work having to replace touring and find ways to interact with people and which is the album can survive and have a, have a chance out there. But I am, yeah, so I'm, I'm very, very ready to get back out there. So that's interesting for you. How gratifying has this, I can't talk this morning, but it's still early here. How gratifying has the success been given the fact that, you know, like you say, you have to find new ways to promote it, to do things, to get it out there. And so now to have this song that's like top 10, when you did release it in the pandemic and you haven't been able to tour, is there a little bit of like, this is awesome, but we don't know how the hell this happened. Yeah, so much. I remember having conversations with people, with friends, family, managers, and they were just like, "Look, just write this, just write this record off, just, just release it, put it out, get it done, and then start writing your next one because it's doomed." And from going from that to this, it, I can't explain how that feels. From that to, I think the thing that really like broke me was there's this thing called the Triple J Hottest 100 and they do a countdown live on the radio from uh, the best 100 songs of the year and they just count down and it's like a national holiday. Everyone's got a portable speaker sitting on the beach having, having a bit of a party because they're, they're a bit less locked down over there. But anyway, it got to, it got to the point where they're playing Heat Waves and they announced it it was the like top song of this whole countdown. Just the reaction, seeing people dance, seeing people smile, seeing people like have fun to the song for the first time. And that's that was like six months after the release of the album, or something like that. Yeah, it just I just like I did cry. I thought it was yeah. Realized how much we were missing at that point. Wait now, Triple J countdown. If you'll you'll have to excuse my anger, but I'm, that's the one in Australia, correct? In Australia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So how did you guys see it then? Were you there or did you just see video of it? No, just video, just online, just Instagram stories. There are thousands, thousands of videos of people because they all like wait around for the, they're all like filming themselves, listening for the top, I think it gets the top three. <laughs> they announce, they announce the top one first and just seeing those videos, everyone exploding and everyone singing it as it was played on the radio the whole way around Australia. It just absolutely blew my mind. It's so interesting. I talk about this with artists all the time and you know, it's really fascinating because when you're in the midst of making a record, right? You're you're deep in it. You don't have perspective on it. You're in it. You know, and half the time when I talk with artists too, they're like, "We don't even know what the hell the song about." Until, you know, it's funny. Some artists will say they figure it out a year later. 
Ani DeFranco, who I love, I asked her about her new record. She's like, I don't know, dude, ask me in 20 or 30 years. Like some artists, it takes them forever to figure it out. So for you, are you able to step back now and figure out why Heatwave has become this massive song that is number one in Australia? I've thought about it a bit. I I think the one thing that seems to line up for me is this this whole album that we just did, Dreamland, comes from from nostalgia from it's about growing up it's about my first memory up until now and it was it happened that way basically because our drummer had a drummer had this terrible accident he we didn't know if he was going to walk or talk again he's made this miraculous recovery he's back to new basically as good as new and yeah in that position similar to the pandemic you can't you don't have any anything to look forward to you can i was i was in the hospital we cancelled all of our touring going forwards sitting in the hospital waiting for news and because you're not making new memories you're just digging up the old ones and i basically found that everybody all of my friends were doing the same when they were were locked down so there was this kind of funny parallel between the way i was feeling right in this album and the way that i started to feel again the way that i saw my friends were feeling again when the when the pandemic hit and everyone was locked down over here. And I think that's it. Yeah, the song's about missing people. It's about missing someone in particular, actually, and not, and not being able to do anything about it. It's just being bigger than you and not being able to just go out and see that person. And I, th- I think everyone's just feeling that a little bit. So that's so interesting. And I think this especially became true, you know, during the pandemic, where I talk about with artists all the time, right? How songs become prophetic. And it's like, you'll write a song, and then sometimes it's like, I remember seeing Springsteen, who's like my favorite artist of all time, talking about Born to Run and how, you know, he wrote that song in 75 and I saw him in 88 do it acoustically. And he talked about the fact that how much that song was him and he's like how much he didn't want that song to become him. And it's interesting because it's like you do these songs and they take on relevance, you know, that go well beyond. So it's interesting for you as you look back at Dreamland as a whole you know, are there moments on there that surprise you how relevant they did become to the pandemic and how much they spoke to it? And it's interesting too, one more aside to that is I interviewed Nick Cave, who, you know, fucking genius, he's Nick Cave. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, for him, songs become sort of a, you write about what it is you're missing. You write about what it is that you're longing for. And that's why he felt songs become prophetic. So when you look at Dreamland, do you see that now a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, hugely. I, I, but I, I do think it just comes down to the parallels between those two situations. Maybe there's something more in it. And maybe also I think the definition of a song kind of changes to everyone hears a song through their own ears and through their own circumstances, whatever they're feeling at the moment. And they, it kind of goes through their brain and filters and takes on this personal, this personal meaning to them. And I think that's why, that's why like when I listen to a... I don't know, Beach Boys song or something. It, f- it feels personal. It feels like some. It feels personal to me. But really, he's probably writing about like his dog or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, there's just a. Everyone applies things to their current circumstance. I think, and I've def. I definitely think that I've sat back and applied Dreamland to the current circumstance. But at the same time, the circumstances when it was written and the pandemic uncannily similar uh, now I have to ask it's so funny I love that you say that though too you know that you hear Beach Boys and you think of them being personal because to me who grew up in Southern California obviously Beach Boys have such a different connotation than someone who grew up did you grow up in England? 
Uh, no, I grew up in Texas, actually. Really? You wouldn't believe it with this accent. Basically, I <laughs> grew up. I grew up in a place called Grafton in Massachusetts, little place near Worcester. I don't know. No, no one will know it. It's tiny. Um, and lived there for seven years. I went to Texas for seven years. Another little place there called Bryan, and um, came to England and just I had this weird monster of an accent. It was like a little bit Boston, a little bit Texan. My mum is Israeli and my dad is Welsh. And I just, I sounded weird. So I got to England, I just started over. I just hit refret, reset and I, I just decided I'm going to start, start fresh with the accent. <laughs> all right. Now I love, I mean, could you combine all four of those into a song? Oh my God. All, <laughs> all four of those accents. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not even going to try. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> All right. Well, I love that. And it's funny because, you know, I don't tend to, uh, I apologize for not knowing your personal background, but I also tend to focus more on music and not read your fucking Wikipedia page. So oh, don't be silly. No, I never expect anyone to know that stuff. Don't be silly. But it's interesting then growing up then in Massachusetts and Texas, which is still not, you know, in the home of the Beach Boys. I love the fact that these songs take on such personal meaning to you. Is there one Beach Boys song in particular that when you look at it, you feel really speaks to you or that you feel like, you know, all right, this is like, I know what you're talking about when you, we hear a song and it feels like it's actually just like the person is inside your head and you're like, how do you know what I was thinking? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that Pet Sounds is the, that that's the record that sort of followed me around. That was my, I think it was my dad must be his favorite record because he, he always had it lying around. And the, my first experience with it wasn't really... I was too young to really listen to lyrics at that point. I was listening to, you know, kids' songs and singing those, you know, nursery rhymes and stuff. But there's some, there's a kind of quality to his, his vocal lines, his vocal melodies, a kind of nursery rhyme-like quality to a lot of his vocal lines. And I think that's what drew me in. And the sounds, I love some of the as a kid, like those sounds are really playful. But yeah, all the sounds and pet sounds... And he's using like weird cowbells, weird ratchet sounds. It's total chaos as a kid. It's brilliant. And the, the song that's really haunted me is God Only Knows because that just keeps taking on new meanings as you go, as you go through life. It's interesting. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I also you know, would argue that it literally is the greatest pop song ever written. You know? I think it's probably... I, I often ask people what the... If if you were about if the world was going to end, what three songs would you listen to? You've got like nine minutes or whatever, ten minutes. You can play three pieces of music. What they're going to be? And God only knows. Is I change I change my three songs all the time, but God only knows is is on there most often. I like that question. I, I really do. So now I'm going to ask you. Of course, what are your other two? Well, right, right now. now. Yeah, exactly. Right, right now. It does depend on my mood. Sometimes I'm feeling a bit like I want to, you know, the world's going to end, you might as well party. So play, you know, Drunk in Love and just straight Beyonce, three Beyonce tracks or something. But right now I'm going to say Otis Redding, Dock of the Bay. I'm going to say Day in the Life, The Beatles and God Only Knows, Beach Boys, I think. Yeah, what do you reckon? Fuck, I don't know. I've never thought about it. I guess top of my head, I'm going to go with... Uh, Born to Run because I'm a huge Springsteen fan. Good choice. Probably God Only Knows because it is a, a perfect song. And probably my favorite song of all time is Fire and Rain, James Taylor. So I'm going to go that one. Wow, there you go. That's a good, that's a good selection. That's a really good selection. 
But then it's hard. Immediately, I start thinking about, man, it's really hard to leave out a case of you. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And of course, then I think, well, how could I not have any Tom Waits? But, you know, this isn't about me. It's about you. So it's interesting. It's funny. I like how you put it, too, about how God only knows it changes for you all the time. I mean, so for you in 2021, what is it today? What What is it about that song today that, you know, applies so much to your life right now versus, you know... Honestly, I've got, I've, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I have a new puppy and I love, <laughs> I never thought I could love an animal as much as this. I've ha- I haven't really had many pets in my life. I had a lizard at one point, I had a rabbit for a bit, and now I've got this, this puppy and it's just like, I, I sing this song to it sometimes. <laughs> It doesn't sound ridiculous. In fact, my dog passed away two years ago. I have a new rescue, but uh, my dog, I wrote a tribute to her on Forbes. So it doesn't sound ridiculous to me. And Babel Gilberto, the great Brazilian singer, I talked to her during the pandemic and she was telling me she's writing a whole album of songs for her dog. So, you know, maybe you guys could do that. Maybe he's, he's, that would be brilliant. That'd be amazing. I have been asked to write a song for the dog. I have written many in my head, but... Um, I'm not sure, not sure the label would appreciate me trying to release them in any way. Well, but that's the great thing about song. It's funny because like, you know, again, there becomes a universality to great songs. So it's like, you could write a song that's about your dog that someone else is going to hear a hundred percent different. So it's interesting for you. Are there songs bringing it back to dreamland that, you know, cause like you say, when you put a song out, it changes. And of course, then it reflects what's everyone's happening, you know? And it's funny, like I was talking with Chuck D about this in last year and it's like, they released the song in May. And then of course it's like, you come to the election and, you know, our election here, which, you know, was an absolute shit show of a disaster. Although thankfully the right person won. So at least that happened, but you know, like, so those songs of course changed so much. So for you with dreamland, do you feel like then going back and listening to it, there are songs that you now hear in a totally different way or that have changed for you or, you know, who knows? Maybe you go back and hear them and you're like, oh shit, I think that was written about the dog even though I didn't know it. <laughs> I think there are a couple that have taken on new meanings, but I've all, I, with this album, sort of knew more what I wanted to write about in each song before I, I really put pen to paper. I'd have the whole concept of the song in my head from everything, from the sounds to what, like a couple of sentences, some specific words that I wanted to throw in there. It was a lot more, yeah, conceptual than that. Whereas the previous records have definitely been a lot more just like very stream of consciousness. And then the meaning has kind of come to light a bit later. But this this album, not so much. Some of the songs do take, like, I realize they apply to certain situations. Some of the songs that were about me, like as a seven-year-old, actually end up applying quite quite oddly to you know situation more recently that's happened quite a few times well now it's interesting on a couple of other points by the way i am curious for you as you started to write this record what was the first memory that came to mind is it something you had thought about in a long time or was it something that when you started to write and think about it that emerged that's interesting it was amazing how much as soon as you like un i don't know what the word is as soon as you turn on that tap how much starts like flooding out as soon as you start trying to like dig up old memories and let yourself dig up old memories it's like your brain like turns off all that stuff for a bit so it's just like easier to live your subconscious kind of like protects you 
from from a lot a lot of memories I think and it's amazing yeah just amazing how much comes up when you start really trying to dig in deep and the first one that I I think I set myself the task really of trying to think about what my first ever memory was that was like I was like as soon as I've gone back as far as I can possibly go then maybe everything else will come out and that was there's a song called Domestic Bliss it's a it's actually a really dark song on <laughs> but yeah I remember that was that was like the first I think that was the first song I kind of started tackling properly for this record. Going, and I went back. I was like, "What is?" I had the concept for the album first. How do I start that concept? I go back to the first memory, and that was it. Domestic Bliss came out. Interesting. It's funny, as you say, they started to flood out. So, were there things that emerged? It's because, like you say, you had a conscious decision of what you wanted to write about versus stream of conscious writing. But still, once you start opening the floodgates to memories all these things can emerge. So were there things that emerged that surprised you that you hadn't thought about in ages or that you're like, okay, I didn't realize that these memories would come back. Yeah, absolutely. There's all the stuff that I never thought I could remember. No, never thought I would remember. And so many times, 90% of the time, I'm looking back at that memory and thinking, oh God, I was, I was such an asshole. I was real, <laughs> I was a real dick in that moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, so many. And that like... Uh, I don't let myself off too easily. I write about that. I write about how much, <laughs> but that's part of that's part of. I think you're probably a bit of a, a bit of a psychopath if you look back at your life and you're like, God, I am. I was perfect. Yeah, it's funny. Do you know the uh, the artist Shaky Graves? No, no, I don't. Is this something to he, check out? Yeah, great artist. But it's interesting because he was telling me he just revisited an album from ten years ago, right? And he was talking about the fact that it's like, you know, and he goes back to the album because it was the 10th anniversary. You look at the original album and he's writing all these songs about being dumped. And then you come out and look at it years later. He's like, well, I kind of was an asshole. And now I get why she kind of dumped me, you know? So it's interesting for you. Were there, there are moments then that emerged in this where you're like, all right, you know, specific moments that you look at and you're like, all right. And it's funny because I think most artists are so critical of themselves. Maybe you were a bit hard on yourselves in terms of being an asshole, but you know, things that you're like, all right, well now I can, you know, look at that and change that and do that differently going forward. Exactly. I mean, if you don't do that, that's when you're, that's your, if you recognize when you were an asshole and you think, oh, let's maybe not do that again, you're okay. But if, you, <laughs> if you're not, yeah, if you're looking back and you're not changing anything, I think that's when you're, when you're in serious trouble. So yeah, it did make me, re- it also, it did make me realize that I have changed a lot of those things about myself. And hopefully I have improved as a, as a human throughout the years. All right. Well, we'll wrap up in a minute, but I'm curious then what, what coming out, you know, taking this out of the record, what are the two or three things that you realize you've changed about yourself the most and that you appreciate now? It's like, okay, cool. You know, again, I hadn't thought about it, but once I do this record, I realized that I'd done all this and you do appreciate Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is like therapy. Uh, <laughs> I've been told that before. I'm not going to lie. Like a therapy session. <laughs> ah, um, let's see. I think... So what am I, what am I doing here? The three things that I would... That I've learned. No, the three things that you, that you... Not that you would change, that you realize now from writing this record you did change and that you appreciate that you did change i mean maybe it's not changing but i've you do start to realize how small certain things things that you think are absolutely monumental 
at the time, huge life-changing things that destroy you as a person, you look back and you think, oh, that's actually just not that big a deal. That is, <laughs> that is something I've taken away from this. And what else? What have I changed as a person? I think I've started thinking a bit more before I speak, hopefully, <laughs> maybe too much. <laughs> I don't know, there's a fine line between thinking too much and not saying anything at all and saying way too much. Uh, but I'm try- I try to think a bit more before I speak and I try to just have more fun. I think I... Yeah, give less. <laughs> this is going to sound really blunt. But um, give, give less fucks about... <laughs> just try and... Yeah, try and be a bit more carefree. I think is another thing that I've tried. I've tried to do. I've realised I've I've slowly become more carefree. It's not in my genes to be a carefree person, but I'm trying. Well, it's funny because I think one that happens as you get older naturally, and two, by the way, puppies are great for that. Puppies are great to help you enjoy things more. So, do you attribute that to your puppy? I think that's it. I think he's made me realise that as long as as long as I've got him, everything <laughs> is going to be okay. It's fine. Well, it's also they just don't give a shit. I remember once. My, my dog before this, the one who passed away, she was rolling around on the grass, just oh, laughing. And I remember my neighbor saying, I wish I could ever be that happy for one second doing anything. I wish I could ever be as happy doing anything for one second as that dog is. So it's funny. What's the greatest lesson you've learned from your dog then? And then we're going to wrap up on the album. The greatest lesson. I've learned so many lessons from, I feel like this dog looks into my eyes and just understands me. Uh, but the greatest lesson, I think that is the ultimate lesson. How much, how much you just actually need to forget, just forget about the kind of rubbish things in life from time to time and just appreciate how, how amazing it is. Just, yeah, he just sits in the sun and smiles all day. And I just, that is, that is a beautiful thing to be able to do. And you need to appreciate that a bit, those little things. I agree. We'll wrap up on a music note. It's funny. We talked about Life is Beautiful at the beginning. I don't know if you have shows coming up before that or what the schedule is, but for you, as you start to think about coming back to the stage and playing and, and possibly weeping with joy, as you say, we talk specifically about playing heat waves, but are there songs? And it's funny too, because are there songs from the past, not just from this album, not just from Dreamland, but from the past catalog that you're like, you know what? I was maybe sick of that song before, but not having played it now for a year, I really miss playing that song live. I think they're all going to be like that. We've had this song. We had this song called "Gooey" that we def. I'm going to be honest. We definitely overplayed it. We played it a lot. We played, <laughs> played it <laughs> so many times. And I, I also know for a fact that it's quite a long song. And our poor drummer Joe, it's not the most like busy song for him. It's very. I think it's very boring for him to play, and he was sick of it. But I was even speaking to him the other day, and he's excited about he's excited about that one. That's the main thing. I'm looking for, looking forward to having Joe feel excited about Gooey again. Nice. Anything that you want to add? I did not ask you about. I mean, anything that we didn't cover in the therapy session? <laughs> oh man, I feel thoroughly therapized. Thoroughly therapized. <laughs> I mean, I, I do recall Ben Harper telling me once at the end of an interview he felt probed. So hopefully you didn't feel probed. No, no, I'm over that. I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And good timing, because now my dog is looking at me like, let's go outside. So, oh, pleasure speaking with Yeah. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> what kind of dog is, is yours, by the way? He's a pit lab senior rescue. 
Oh, very sweet. Very sweet. Yeah, he's awesome, man. He's uh, he's had a rough night. He had a diary in the middle of the night, then crapped all over the floor. So it's not been a fun. Oh my twelve God. hours. So. Something in the in the air. Woody's old. Yeah, he's crapping himself all night as well. I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, God knows what it is the hell they eat. You know, I I remember. I mean, how long have you had Woody? Nine months. Okay. What's the craziest thing he's eaten in nine months? <laughs> a battery. Really? He ate a battery, yeah. <laughs> so bad. And what I, I phoned my mum afterwards, yeah. I was like, mum, uh, he's eating a battery. What do I do? And she just, well, <laughs> she said, well, he's probably going to explode. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say that. Don't say that. And she was like, yeah, like she used to live in New York City and she'd take the subway and you see these exploded rats all over the subway because they've eaten batteries. And then she, she told me that story and then she's like, good luck and hung up and panicked. <laughs> I panicked. Cool. Thanks, dude. A pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Guys, later. Bye bye bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Dave Bailey from Glass Animals. Thanks.